And I'm excited to share with you again this week. And we're going to continue from a couple weeks ago. If you were here a couple weeks ago, we began a message called A Transforming Journey. A Transforming Journey. And I want to continue that um, this morning. And so a couple weeks ago, we talked about the first two stages of a transforming journey. Initial stage is called the awakening stage. And this is the, the moment or the season where you come into salvation for the first time and you put your faith in Jesus and you become a follower of Jesus. That's the awakening stage. And the second stage was called sanctification. Sanctification. It's a, a big word, but it means that we are beginning to make decisions, different decisions, different thoughts, a different lifestyle, um, where God begins to shape kind of who we are inside. And we, um, we give those things to God. So it's the old self. It's sometimes it's the things that you don't want to do. Well, during that um, sanctification stage, we begin to change in those ways. Well, this morning I want to get into the third stage, which I touched on last time, but I want to get deeper into it, which is called consecration. Consecration. And what a perfect example of consecration this morning with baby dedication, that as we dedicated Nathan, we gave him to the Lord, right? Um, we dedicated him to the Lord, and in the same way, we are consecrated or dedicated to God as well in our relationship. Now, not only are we consecrated to God, but we're consecrated to God in love, in love. And I'm gonna spend a lot of time this morning talking about the love of God and the love that we have for him. Our big idea this morning is, is this. Our transforming journey will always lead to the love of God, will always lead to the love of God and perfect union with God, perfect union with God. Spiritual formation, for definition, is being formed by God, being formed by God in the image of Christ for the sake of others. Being formed by God. And the reason I like this definition is that although I play a part in my relationship with God, he is forming me. And so when I posture myself before the Lord or I come to the Lord each day, although I have my own you know, Bible reading plan or prayer schedule or things that I'm scheduled, like come to sun Sunday church on a Sunday morning or come to worship night tonight and all of these things we schedule, we, we come to them as God forming us not us doing. Do you see the slight difference there? And so spiritual formation is being formed by God. He's forming me into the image of Christ for the sake of others, for the sake of others. And so to be spiritually formed by God for the sake of others, we must receive a baptism of love, a baptism of love. Now, I believe firmly that in the, in the Bible that Jesus actually receives uh, three baptisms. And you can actually hear this as well on our first episode of On Ramp where we talk about this. But three baptisms. When Jesus is baptized in water, he sets the example for all of us that we should be baptized into repentance. 
And so the first baptism we usually encounter in our Christian journey is a baptism, water baptism for the sake of repentance. But the second baptism that Jesus also receives on the same day was the dove descends upon him and he is anointed by the Holy Spirit. So we are baptized in water and we are baptized in the Holy Spirit. But then something else happens on this day when Jesus is baptized, which is the heavens are opened and he hears the voice of the Father coming down and he says, you are my son in whom I'm well pleased. And this, I believe, is a symbol of the baptism of love. It's identity. And when I understand my identity in God, and when I understand his love for me, and I reciprocate that love to him, I begin to see myself differently, and I'm actually changed from the inside out. I'm transformed in my identity. If you remember, Jesus then goes off into the wilderness, and he encounters the enemy, and the enemy says to him what? If you really are the Son of God. What the enemy always tries to do is gets us to doubt our identity or redefine our identity as something else. Jesus knew he had nothing to prove to the enemy. He had nothing to prove to the world because his father spoke identity over him in this baptism of love. The reason that the baptism of love is critical is because we, we actually transition from doing to being. So I don't just, you know, do things for God. I'm not earning his love. I'm not earning salvation. I'm not earning a bigger mansion in heaven. I'm not earning healing. I'm not doing these things to get something from God as if my whole Christian walk is a transaction, but I actually just am. So I move from this, in the, in the second stage, which is sanctification, there's a lot of doing that I'm doing and I'm changing and I'm striving and I'm trying to be and I'm working out this and that. But there's this element where we shift from that into being where we just are before God. And he shapes our identity and he speaks into our life and he changes us from the inside out. In other words, I don't earn his love, I receive his love. So it's very different when you earn something than when you receive something. When we earn things, we work for them. We strive. We work hard. We're usually under a bit of guilt or even condemnation that I'm not doing enough. I'm just, I'm not doing enough for God. When we start getting into that mindset, we have this earning-based faith. I didn't read my Bible today. I didn't pray today. Oh, and just guilt sets in because we're trying to do something for God. Well, in this stage, you just, you are. You receive. It doesn't mean that I stop doing. It just, it means that my doing is not earning salvation. It means my doing is flowing from my being my identity, the way I was created to be. I'm not striving. I'm not running hard after something. I'm receiving what God would have for me today.
You with me? I, I don't, I, thank you to the one, but I, I just, this is a bit intimate, so we're going we're gonna to go deep here. I'm reading this great book. It's from 1730, Experiencing the Depths of Jesus Christ. Experiencing the Depths of Jesus Christ. Everyone should read it. But you don't read it to consume knowledge. You read it to experience the depth of love that God has for you. Here's a quote from Madame Guyon. This is not the one in your notes. It's a different one. There's a lot. But she says this. Never doubt your Lord's deep love for you. Never doubt his desire to hear you. Call on his name and remain before him silently for a little while. Remain there waiting to have his heart made known to you. Remain. See, there's this remaining, this posture of receiving before the Lord. That I come before the Lord, I am his son, and I sit before him to receive what he would have for me. A couple years ago, the Lord gave me a picture in prayer. And he said, Joel, your spirit is like a flower. I'm like, super manly. That's awesome. And he said, your spirit is like a flower. And I am a bee, he said. He said, I am attracted to you. And he said, I'm attracted to you, and, and when my presence comes upon you, my spirit will pollinate your spirit. And I'll tell you, it's not the manliest picture in the world to be a flower. But it reminds me of my posture in prayer. And in worship. And so more often than not now, I come to the Lord in his presence and I, I sit and I am. I just am. I'm still and I'm remaining and I wait and I sit in silence. And all of a sudden I sense him doing things in me. Correcting mindsets. Speaking truth to lies. Giving me solutions to problems. I, I used to pray and pray and pray about problems. And I was like, why aren't I seeing answers to these problems in prayer? So I would have a list of prayer, prayer requests, and I would just pray those prayer requests. And I wouldn't see victory in some of them, and I'm wondering why. And I remember one day the Lord said, would you just answer your own prayer? I'm like, what, what, what do you mean? You know, like you keep praying for this person that they would come to understand God, yet I've put them in your life that you might actually speak to them about me. And it's like I wouldn't even have received that if I just prayed through my list and went off. So it's good to have a prayer list. It's, you know, good to have discipline. It's good to read our Bible and have our prayer time and all of these things. But if they just become doing without being, then we lose the whole point of a relationship. A relationship with God. 
God is attracted to you. He's not disgusted by you. He's drawn to you. He's not repelled by you. He wants to come into your life each day. He wants to descend upon you and be with you and be in you. He's not out there. He's in here. He's interested in every part of your personality. He's infatuated with you. Like you wake up and you come before him in prayer and he, his head turns and he wants to lock eyes on you. He wants to see you. He wants to spend time with you. You capture his attention. You captivate his heart. Sanctification or consecration is a stage of life when you begin to realize how much he loves you. He loves you. He so incredibly loves you that when you wake up, his heart flutters. This is God. Song of Solomon writes, Solomon writes this, and and the Song of Solomon is a poem about a husband and a wife, but it's also a poem about the church, which is the bride, and him, the groom. So the church is the bride of Christ. We are the bride. I know that's hard, men, to wrap our heads around. But we are the bride, and he is the groom. And Solomon writes this. Now, this is the bride speaking to the groom. This is the church speaking to God. This is how Solomon writes. He says, set me as a seal upon your heart, as a seal upon your arm. For love is as strong as death. Jealousy is fierce as the grave. It flash, its flashes are flashes of fire, the very flame of the Lord. Many waters cannot quench love, neither can floods drown it. If a man offered for love all the wealth of his house, it would be utterly despised. Set me as a seal upon your heart, Lord, as a seal upon your arm. The seal is, is a signet ring that is dipped into wax. They, they used to seal letters with the, um, the, the ring that was from a particular king or ruler or family. And they would seal letters into wax so that everyone knew when you got the letter, this came from the house of Conti, you know. And you would seal it with your family's seal. And we have the bride, which is us, saying to the Lord, Lord, set me as a seal upon your heart, as a seal upon your arm. And it's as if Solomon is saying to all of us that God wants to be marked by us, to be sealed by us, that we would be imprinted on his heart, imprinted on his arm. That that spiritually speaking, he is happy to be marked by us. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. When we get to heaven, 
there will not be a test on how much you know. We are to not know about God. We are to know him. I want to know him. I want to know him more than I know my wife, more than I know my kids, more than I know all of you. I want to know him. To be loved by God, to be transformed by that love is my goal in life. John Wesley wrote this, we're in the 1700s again. And John Wesley wrote in 1777, love has purified the heart from envy, malice, wrath, and every unkind temper. It has cleansed from pride whereof only cometh contention. And he hath now put on mercy and kindness and humbleness of mind, meekness and long-suffering. Wesley is saying that love purifies the heart from sinful dispositions. Love purifies us to the point where we live differently out of that love. We want to respond differently to people. We want to respond differently to God. We want to be different because when we encounter this consecration of love and we are baptized into that kind of love and we experience that kind of love from, from God in prayer and in worship and in, in the word and if we experience that, we, we want to live differently. We become different living in that kind of love. And Wesley is saying is our sinful dispositions are shifted and we put on things like mercy and kindness. Have you ever just tried to be more merciful or tried to be more kind and made it this thing that you're doing and earning without the heart in it? Isn't it much easier that your heart is shifted and you become kinder and more merciful and more compassionate? See, God wants us in this baptism of love, in this consecration of love, in this stage of love, he wants us to actually be changed, that we desire to be different. That I, I want to be different. I don't want to keep chasing the different person I was supposed to be. I want to be different. I want to desire different things. And I'm sure you feel the same way. God is known through love. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 8 to 12, John writes this about the love of God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. That's kind of convicting, for me at least. Because there are times when I don't love. I don't love well. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. 
Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. It's a large section of scripture, but really important to read the whole thing because there are elements in this that are so important for us to realize. Number one, that God is love. God is love. He's known through the act of love. He's defining himself as love. He's proven his love by sending his only son. I mean, we just had this dedication of Nathan this morning, right? This beautiful boy. And I have two boys at home and three girls and 93 farm animals. But I thought about this one day. I was like, could I imagine... Sending my son to die for people. Not only for people, but for 60% of the people would reject him. The answer is no, if you were waiting for the answer. No! No, I would never do that. I wouldn't send him to die for anyone. And yet God so loved the world, he sent his son to die for us. Powerful. God is love, and he's known through the act of love. We are spiritually formed for the sake of others. At the end of this passage, he says, no one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete. So in other words, God pours out his love upon us and as we love the world, he is actually revealed, he is seen. A God that was hidden is seen through our acts of love. This is spiritually formed for the sake of others. And as we love others, we reveal the love of God. We reveal the love of God. Powerful. Our fourth stage of transforming is union. Now before I talk about union, I wanna talk about being united with Christ. There's two parts to this. The first part is being united with Christ and then ultimate union with Christ. There's many passages in the Bible where it speaks about how we are united with Christ. There are things that Jesus did for you and the things Jesus did for you, it's as if he did them as you. And the reason he did them as you now makes it possible for you to do what Jesus did. So there are things that Jesus achieved for you and as you. And that's what I wanna talk about a little bit first. The Christian experience is more than an imitation of the life of Jesus. It's more than trying to act like Jesus. 
It's more than trying to imitate what Jesus did, like the old game Simon says. That our spiritual walk is more than imitating Jesus. It's more than learning the teaching of Jesus. It's the present experience that the risen Christ, the spirit of Jesus, is in you. So it's more than just trying to live like Jesus. It's the spirit is actually living in you. <laughs> so I always think that my, my job is to just get out of the way more, right? And let the spirit live through me more. That's the way I see it. If I can just get out of the way today, Lord, I know you're going to do amazing things. <laughs> I know you're going to bless people today, Lord. I know you're going to speak today on Sunday morning at Northside, Lord. I know people are going to be touched by you, Lord. If I could just get out of the way and let you be you, everything's going to be awesome today. So I am more than just trying to imitate Christ or trying to be like Christ. I'm actually trying to let him work through me and, and, and live through me. So he is Christ Jesus, but he also functions as the head of the body of Christ. And because he functions as the head of the body of Christ, there are things that Jesus did for us as us. You get that? So we are the body of Christ, but he is the head. What Jesus did flows down through the body. So one thing that Jesus did that we have in 1 John... Chapter 2, verse 2. John writes that he, Jesus, is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not only for ours, but also for the sins of the world. So here we have it. Jesus, as the head of the body of Christ, he went to the cross and he died for us. And in dying for us, he died as us. So the victory Jesus accomplished on the cross is now available to each one of us. That's why we can be forgiven. That's why we can be set free. That's why we can have eternal life. Is that Jesus died for us and on the cross Jesus died as us. Do you know what I mean? It's called substitution. Atonement itself, that word atonement, means a substitute sacrifice for all of our sins. So Jesus atoned, he substituted himself to die for all of our sins, right? Are you still with me? Yes. Awesome. Atonement, if you look at the word atonement, you literally have three words. At one meant. I know meant is not a word, at least not this spelled this way. But that's a perfect picture to have in your mind and you'll remember it forever. Because atonement is the act of we become one. We are one. So what Jesus did for us, Jesus did as us, and what he accomplished, we actually accomplished. Okay, turn with me to Colossians chapter 2, verse 9 to 15. Or um, look at the screen or your notes or whatever. Now I'm going to describe what else happened. How we are united with Christ. For in him, Jesus, 
the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. So in Jesus, the entire fullness of the deity, Jesus was not just a man, he's fully God and fully man. And this verse says Jesus was fully God. All of God dwelled in Jesus. And then Paul says, and you have been filled in him. Who is the head of all rule and authority. So in Jesus is the full deity. All of God is in Jesus. Oh, and by the way, Paul says to the church in Colossus, you are filled with him. Verse 11, in him also you were circumcised. Now he's writing to Gentiles, which is kind of funny. Gentiles that weren't circumcised, right? These are the things I chuckle at that maybe you wouldn't, but anyway, I thought that was fun. So in him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. He wants to clarify. We're not talking about that. You know what I'm saying? We're talking about the heart. By putting off the body of flesh by the circumcision of Christ. So now in Jesus, Jesus was able to accomplish the putting off of the flesh. Jesus lived perfect and sinless all the way to the cross. And because Jesus lived perfect and sinless all the way to the cross and accomplished it, that the victory that Jesus had in putting off the effect of the flesh we now have access to through Jesus because Jesus, the head of the body and the body being us, accomplished that. So we can now put off the old self. Verse 12, having been buried with him. It gets exciting. Now we've been buried with Jesus in baptism. And then he says, you were also raised with him through faith, through the powerful working of God, who raised him from the dead, So when Jesus was resurrected, when Jesus died on the cross, you died. When Jesus was resurrected, you were resurrected. And you who were dead in your trespasses or sins, God made alive together with him and forgave us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. You cannot even be blamed. You can't even be accused that when you stand before God, he sees you through Christ. As Pastor Barry said last week, God doesn't even remember your sins. Amen, right? God doesn't even keep a record. And you can't be accused. How many of us in our thoughts during the day, these accusatory lies, you'll never change. You'll always be this way. You're not a kind person. Whatever. We all have these going through. Well, this section of scripture, maybe print it out and and put it in your car to remind you that you've been filled with Christ. You can put off the old self. You've been buried with him. Now, don't practice that. But you've been buried with him. 
You've been raised to new life with him. You've been made alive. You've been forgiven. And then get this. This is how he ends it. Oh, and by the way, all that stuff that Jesus did for you personally, he ends it with, he disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to shame by triumphing over them in him. He defeated the enemy for you. He defeated the enemy as you. And when the enemy sees you, he sees Christ. So when the enemy comes against me and says, you can't, or I got you, or I'm going to, it doesn't matter. Sure, but I have Christ in me. He disarmed. You've been filled, you've been set free, you have died with him, you have been resurrected with him, you have been forgiven, and guess what? One day when you close your eyes and you move off to the next dimension, guess what's gonna happen? As in the same way Jesus ascended to heaven because he provided access for you to ascend as well, you will ascend to heaven with him. And you'll be with him face to face. Everything that Jesus did is for you and everything Jesus did is as you. So when I read the scripture, see this is what shifted in my own life a few years back, quite a few years back, but probably 12 years ago, is I began reading the scripture and because I actually believed this, I began reading the scripture and I began realizing that everything Jesus did was available to me. Everything Jesus did it's like a blueprint, a roadmap, a guide. Everything Jesus did. He, we're not supposed to just read the Bible and read about the miracles and read about the healing and reading about the deliverance and all the things Jesus did and went, wow, Jesus was awesome. That's not the sum total. That is obviously amazing, right? Jesus is awesome. But it was that we might see that and read this passage in Colossians and go, that's for me. That's why when I pray for healing, we can see healing. It's why when I pray for deliverance, we see deliverance. It's, it's why whatever Jesus did, Jesus preached kindness and love. I can be loving and kind. In other words, you, you get a gold medal for a race you didn't run. Many times through a sports season, see it a lot in football, because there's a lot of injuries in football, you will have a team, and there'll be players on that team that'll get injured during the season. And they have to stop playing for the whole season. They, they tear muscles and broken bones and all of these injuries. And they have to sit out the entire season, and their team goes on to win the Super Bowl. Like they're like the New York Giants, just as an example. You know, they're like the New York Giants against the Patriots, where they annihilated them. No, it was a close game, but they beat them. And the Patriots were supposed to be 18-0, and 0, and they were 18-1. and 1. In Indianapolis, I remember sitting there, listening, this is a total side. I remember sitting there hearing the sounds of Boston fans crying behind me as I offered my consolation to them. I laughed at them. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> 
But during a sports season, people will get injured. And if the team goes on to win, they get these huge, ridiculous Super Bowl rings. And everyone on the team, injured or not, gets a ring. Even though they didn't participate in the final game. Even the scrubs on the bench that never got a whiff of a play the entire season get a ring. The whole staff, even though they didn't play. Our Christian walk is very similar to that. Jesus accomplished all of it. And so now, as I, as I go back to my prayer life and the posture of my heart before God, it's about receiving, not striving, receiving what he's already accomplished. Withdrawing on an account that's already been filled. How excited would you be today if you went up to the ATM or online? You put in your bank card and it's $5 million. How awesome would that feel? That's the Christian walk. Not $5 million. Spiritual blessings in heavenly places laid up for you that Jesus has already accomplished. Amen. 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 I'll close with this. 2,000 years ago, Jesus prayed for you. Do you think the Father will answer the prayers of Jesus? His Son, Jesus prayed for you, and he prayed for me. And he said, Father, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. So he's praying for all of us. That they may be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me, the glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. 2,000 years ago, Jesus prayed for you that you would have perfect union, perfect oneness with him. He prayed for you that your relationship with God would be the same as his relationship with the Father. The same. The same access to the Father. The same love that the Father poured out upon Jesus. He said, I pray that they would have that same transforming union. It's a marriage of the spirit and perfect oneness. 
perfect oneness, this transforming marriage union. Jesus prayed for us. But it's not just for us. He goes on to say it's for the sake of others. That others, the world may know. That the world may know. That as you are loved by God, so incredibly much, and you are united with the Father as one, that the world would look upon us and they would begin to know God who sent them. Spiritually formed in the image of Christ for the sake of others. I'd like to invite the worship team to come up And I want to pray for us. Father, I, I pray that this morning, wherever we're at on this journey, Lord, and it's, it's not always clean cut from one stage to another, Lord, but we're, wherever we're at, Lord, I pray that your love right now would be felt in our hearts and in our minds, that we would know your love, we'd be convinced of your love, Lord, through your word this morning. And we would reciprocate that love back to you, Lord. We love you. We bless your holy name, Lord. And we thank you for the unconditional love that you have for us as children. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.